Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. Looking good this morning. Welcome back. Welcome back. If you were gone for the holidays, if you were gone, if you were amongst the 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 hundreds of those who had babies in the last quarter of last year. I see like all of y'all back. Welcome back. Welcome your babies, newest members to, to the NUMA family. Amen. It's, man, it's just good to be back in the house of God. Um, you know, this, this week we are, we're back to our, our regular schedule. So Wednesdays we return to Bible study at seven o'clock. Um, come, um, get, you know, get, get filled, fill your tank with, with the knowledge of the word of God. Um, also, uh, prayer. We had we had a, our very first prayer service of the year yesterday, and it was it was great. We uh, we had probably like maybe twenty five, uh, thirty people. It was it was probably one of the biggest prayer services that we've had, and that usually happens at the start of the year, um, and then as as the year kind of winds down, you know, it, it, it the numbers kind of dwindle a little bit. So I, I want to just challenge you. Look, it's once a month. On a Saturday morning, I know it's a set, it's 7 a.m. on a Saturday, and maybe you work all week, and then you, you get up early to come to church Sundays, and you're like, Saturday? But if you can, I want to challenge you to just come to prayer. Make it, make it a part of your routine. Um, I'm not asking you to come to every single one. I don't come to every single one. Sometimes I just can't make it. But if you can make it, be at prayer uh, the first Saturday of the month at 7 a.m. The way that we do it is we pray by ourselves for about 40, 45 minutes, and then we come together at the altars, and we pray over all the needs of the church and, and we lift up a prayer request to God and it's just a beautiful time. Amen. And so I want to invite you, make that, make that a part of your plans. Um, the first of the, uh, of the month. Amen. Um, also I want to make just one more, well, actually two more announcements and I'm ready to get to the word, but I, I do have some housekeeping that we got to do real quick. Um, um, this year I'm, you know, I'm believing that God is going to continue to f- just fulfill all the promises that he's made over this church. And, and we need help, especially in the kids ministry. And I spoke to, to Lena yesterday, who's, who's been the director of our kids ministry. And, and, uh, we, we need some more help specifically on Wednesdays, uh, with, with the toddlers class. We, we want to give, you know, the parents, um, yeah, we, we want to be able to, to, to have their full attention, right? And it's really hard to do when you got a, a, a toddler right there screaming, nagging you, you know, every, every five seconds. Uh, so we, we, need, we need help. Amen? And um, so if you're interested, if you, want, if you, can, help, if you can help with the children's ministry, um, speak to Lena after service and, 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 and she'll, she'll hook you up. Now, look, just because, uh, let, me, let me say this, just because you want to help doesn't mean that we're going to receive everybody who wants to help. There are requirements. Um, we do do background checks, especially for those who work with kids. Uh, so so um, if you want to help, please, we, we need it. But um, just, just be aware of that. Just because you want to help don't mean that you're going you're gonna to help. Amen. We got standards for our, our, our teachers and for our leaders. Amen. One other thing. Um, we, it, it rained a lot yesterday. And uh, so there's, we kind of have an empty parking lot there. We are believing that the parking lot is going to come this year. I'm believing that. Amen. But, but we, need, we need your continued help and support. We're still probably like right there at that $11,000 mark. We haven't really gone up from there. And, and we're trying to raise about $40,000 for that, for that parking lot. Now, a lot of people have come to me and they say, pastor, we can do this. We can do this. We can, we, there, there's, there's a cheaper way we can do it. And I'm all ears for that. 
I, I really am. Um, but if we can, if we can raise the, the $40,000 and we can raise it soon, uh, we'll, we'll do it the, the way that we had planned on doing it. What's important is that people are able to, to get in and out of there when it rains and you're not tripping. And, and, uh, I mean, you know, especially services like Easter and, and those really packed services, we want to make sure that we have that available for the meantime, just remember that we are allowed to use Cristo Rey uh, funeral home. So if, if you, if you're doing circles, you can't find anything. Don't leave. Uh, go, go right there. There's an empty parking lot that they let us use. Amen. 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 All right. That was a lot. So let's get to the word this morning. I want you to go with me to the gospel of John chapter six. And before we stand, I want to kind of just give you a little bit of background here. I want to set the scene. You know, Jesus has been doing miracles and uh, because he's been doing miracles, he's gaining uh, a lot of, of a following. Many people want to be his disciple. They want to follow him. They want to learn from him. They want to be a part of what Jesus is doing. They believe that he is the perfect candidate for king. And so naturally, if, if, if you have somebody who's going to be king, you want to be close to them. And Jesus is doing all these things and they want to receive from Jesus. But here in John chapter six, we begin to see kind of a frustrated Jesus. And I want you to go home. I want you to read the entire chapter. It's, it's long. It's like 70, 80 verses. But, but read chapter six. We see Jesus beginning to unveil what was for many people a very hard truth. Sometimes the truth hurts, right? And Jesus is beginning to say things. He's like, he's telling the crowd, look, I know why you're here. You're only here because you're looking for a physical fill. That's the only reason you're seeking me. And he's saying, I'm not here to just perform miracles on demand, just, just like a genie. And, and this is the moment where for so many people, for so many would-be disciples, they begin to unfollow Jesus because Jesus is starting to say some crazy things and it's just easier just to, to unfollow Jesus. You ever unfollow somebody like on social media who just starts saying like crazy things, right? Like you, like, and the thing is, look, this, this is the way that happens. The algorithm knows what it's doing. Facebook, Instagram, they know that because you spend time actually reading the posts that frustrate you the most and you're spending time going through the comments and you're like trying to debate, should I respond? What should I do? You, you read it every time, even though they frustrate you. You're like, oh, what is this person going to say again? And you're reading it. And because you spend time there, Instagram, Facebook, they, they know to show you that first because you obviously like it or you're engaging with it. And so uh, there's been times where I've, I've, I've seen like a name of a certain person and he posts something. I'm like, what is this guy saying again? And so I read it. And then eventually I get to a point where like, I don't need this mess in my life. And so you just follow, you just unfollow. It's very easy. You just unfollow, unfriend whoever you want, right? If you don't want to see their posts, if you don't want to be offended, if you don't want to be, if you don't want to be angered, you just, just stop following them, right? This is kind of that ancient Palestinian version of people unfollowing Jesus because Jesus is saying crazy things. At one point they followed him because they loved the content that he was creating, right? He provoked people's thoughts with his teachings and he multiplied bread and he performed miracles and he was the real deal. But now Jesus is saying things that most people didn't sign up for. And so what is he saying? Go with me to John 6, 48 through 66. And if you would just stand with me. If you have it, say amen. amen. This is some of the crazy that Jesus is saying. You ready? He says, I'm the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. 
And this is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. And the Jews disputed among themselves saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? And so Jesus said, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day for my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him as the living father sent me. And I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he will also live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Not like the bread that the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. And when many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? And verse 66 goes, it says, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Amen. Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this word, my God. And right now in this moment, I just pray that we open up our hearts, we open up our minds to receive what your spirit has for your people this morning. Lord, I pray that you would be on my lips, my God. I pray that you would anoint me for this specific word, my God, in this specific time, my God, for this specific people that you have gathered here on the first, on this, on this Sunday of the year, my God. And I just pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit takes over, my God. We give you all, all honor and all glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Amen. I entitled the sermon this morning, Gospel Water. And that might, might, that might not mean anything to you, but I will explain it as I go. If, uh, if you weren't here last Saturday, we had, we had our, our New Year's Eve service uh, last Saturday. It was, it was beautiful, man. We had, an, we had an awesome time in worship. Uh, we listened to some testimonies of what God did in 2023. Uh, and, then we, uh, and then we ate food and we rang in the New Year. It was awesome. And and I, I spoke uh, briefly about focus. Focus is kind of like, it's like my word for this, for this season. Um, it's funny, we had Pastor Brandon and, and Damaris over this week. And Pastor Damaris said that she had a, she had a word uh, for this year. And then I looked at her and I was like, I got a word for this year. And, and Pastor Brandon and my wife looked at each other like, were we supposed to have words for this year? <laughs> Pastor Brandon's like, that's kind of, that's kind of cheesy. And, and I will admit it is a little cheesy, but look, the way I explained it to them is it's not like we get to December 31st and we're like, what's going to be my word for this year? It's, it's more as it happens with me. It's happened many times. It's, it's, it's more of a, of a burden. And it's something that I can't explain, I can't describe, but the more I think about it, the more I pray about it, it becomes clearer and a specific word is given to describe the moment that I'm in. And so that's how it happened with me. Uh, I started feeling this around September and I even shared it with the church. I told some of you guys that like, I just, I, I didn't know it was, there was something off with me and I couldn't pinpoint it. Um, and that's when the Lord began to just reveal that word focus to me. And it all made sense for me because last year was a year that I, my focus was all over the place. I, I was distracted with, with a lot of things, not, not bad things, but just I wasn't focused on, on the big picture things that God had shown me in my life. So right now I am, I'm in an intentional season of focus. I want to focus more on, on the God-given vision that, that, that what he, God has instilled in me. I want to focus more on my God-given assignments and the things that he's burdened my heart for and, my, and for the church. And I want to focus more on him. I want to focus 
And I, I think the, the reason I bring this up is because I think that the heart of this passage, it really encompasses that theme of focus. Jesus is getting to the heart of the issue. He's getting to the heart of who he is. Yes, he is a way maker. Yes, he is a miracle worker. Yes, he is a provider. But he wants his followers to know that Jesus is the essence of divinity. He doesn't want them just to know what he does. He wants them to know who he is. Jesus is saying, look, I'm not just a man with a gift of healing, a gift of teaching, a gift of preaching, a gift of prophetic word. He's saying, I am the gift of salvation. I am the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. I am the son of the living God. And I'm coming here amongst you to give you life. He's calling his followers to focus not on what he does, but on who he is. Look at verse 25. It says, when they found him, the crowds were looking for Jesus. They're like, where's this guy at? We got to ask him for stuff. And when they finally find him, they say to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus said, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs. Jesus calls him out. He says, you saw the signs. What, what signs? What signs are we talking about? The signs that point to his divinity. The signs that point to his messianic ship. They saw everything. I mean, he put it on, on display. Everything that I am. I am I'm proving to you with these, with these wonders, with these miracles, that I am the son of the living God. But you don't seek me because of the signs that I have shown you. The signs point to his divinity, but his divinity is not what the people wanted. They wanted what his divinity could do for them. He says, you're seeking me because you ate your fill of the loaves. You just want more. And I have a question for you this morning. Why do you seek the Lord? Answer that to yourself. Why do you seek God? There's got to be a reason for those who actually seek God. Why do you seek him? I think the why will reveal a lot about your heart. And you could argue, well, any reason is good to seek God and I can agree with that, but, but when the intent of seeking God is chronically selfish, meaning that you're always doing it for a reason other than you just desire a relationship with him, I would argue that there's no solid foundation there. There's no foundation there. If your reason for seeking God is selfish, chronically selfish, it's always, I mean, sometimes you're going to seek God because yes, you need something from him. Yes, you need provision. Yes, you need a miracle in your life. And it might feel a little bit selfish, but if you're always doing that, when do you go to him simply because you love him? When do you go to him simply because you want him to increase in you as you decrease in yourself? Why do you seek God? Answer that to yourself. Maybe you haven't thought about it. You know, one thing I realized about, about ministry is that ministry is, is a good way to keep you spiritually accountable. Pastor Danny kind of uh, touched on this this morning too in Spanish service. Ministry keeps you accountable, spiritually accountable. Because, you know, even though, even though we know that we could never be worthy of the call that God has placed over our lives, we at least want to try, you know. We, we, we want to we treat the ministry with respect. And, and so ministry demands spiritual maturity. Amen? Anybody who aspires to be a minister... You first need to be spiritually mature. The Bible calls ministers to be above reproach. That's what the Bible says. 
because it demands knowledge of the word of God. It, it demands spiritual wisdom. It demands an anointing, all of that stuff. And all of those things take maintenance. And so as a pastor, I need to be, pr- I, it, it, it's required of me to be prayed up because I pray for people all the time. It's, it's required of me to study the word because I am a teacher of the word. How am I going to teach you something that I don't even know? Because I haven't studied myself. And, and I'll be honest, there have been weeks in the past where the only time I opened up the Bible was to study for a sermon. And so when those moments happen, you kind of have to take a step back and you have to ask yourself, am I only seeking God because I'm in ministry? If you remove the ministry, would you still seek God the way you do right now? Teachers, would you still read the Bible with an intent to know more of God if your pastor took away your teaching privileges? Would you still pray in the mornings like you do before you get up here and worship God if, if, if you were asked to step, step down from the worship team? Is the only reason you seek God because you have to seek God. What about, here's another one, peer pressure. Peer pressure in the church. Let's not pretend that that doesn't exist because it does. And this is different than, than being inspired by somebody. Man, I, I look at some of y'all's prayer lives. I look at the way that some of y'all worship and I'm inspired by that. Peer pressure is different. Peer pressure when it comes to praying, when it comes to studying, when it comes to coming to church, Sometimes the only reason you do that is because the people in your circle do it. And so you feel pressured to do it because you don't want to be seen as less than. Judas was in the company of people who truly sought to know Jesus more. I mean, look at Peter, man. Peter, he he was a fool, man. So many different ways. But he genuinely desired to understand more about Jesus. And he was always asking these questions. And and, and probably all the other disciples were like, Peter, that's a dumb question. But but Peter was genuine. I want to know you more. I want to I understand you more, Jesus. Matthew and John, these men who testified of the life of Jesus. Uh, Jude, the half-brother of, of Jesus. James, the half-brother of Jesus, who wrote letters to the churches. I mean, these men were, in, uh, were, were, were just filled with wanting to know more of Jesus. And Judas was in the company of those men. And I'm sure that Judas participated in all the disciple things. I'm sure that Judas went out two by two when, when Jesus called his disciples to go out two by two to go preach in, in, in the cities. I'm sure Judas was among them. I'm sure G, uh, Judas preached. I'm sure Judas was given power and authority over demons like all the disciples were. I'm sure he was doing all of these things. But his reason for seeking God, his reason for seeking Jesus, his reason for being in the presence of Jesus was chronically selfish. It's about peer pressure. Take away your circle. Take away your Christian friends. Take away your church. Take away your godly mother, your godly father, your brother in Christ. Take away those people. Would you still seek God? Why do you seek him? Jesus says, you're not seeking me because you saw the signs. Anyone who has a relationship with God has seen God do amazing things. Amen. Have you, can, can anybody testify to that this morning? Just with a show of hands. Have, can you testify that God has done something in your life before? He's transformed your life. He's shown you mercy when you didn't deserve mercy. He showed you love when you didn't deserve love. I mean, he's completely just and radically just changed you. We, we, we are all testaments of that. 
We have seen the signs of God. We know who Jesus is. We know that he is good. We know that he's loving and kind and merciful and miraculous. And we know all of these things. But if you're only seeking a certain aspect of Jesus and you're missing the essence of who Jesus is, you're missing who Jesus is. And you're not seeking Jesus. Still with me this morning? There used to, there used to be the song. I'm singing. Uh, I, I used to, man, I love the song. Because of who you are, I give you glory. Come on, come on, give it to me real quick. Because of who you are, I give you praise. Because of who you are, I will. Too, I started too high. Lord, I worship you because of who. Because of who you are. Come on, we're getting crunk this morning. Because of who you are. Not because of what you've done, but because of who you are. Amen. That is the reason alone to worship God, to praise God. And look, we're always going to give God praise for what he does. Okay. I'm not saying to to, to not give God praise for what he does. If God does a miracle in your life, you're going to shout it from the rooftops and you're going to go and testify. But if he doesn't do it, he still deserves the praise because of who he is. Jesus says, I've revealed that to you. I've shown you the signs, but that's not why you seek me. If you've only ever loved, if you all... If you've only ever learned how to love Jesus because of what he's done for you and not who he is, you're going to be disappointed when he doesn't do the things that you want him to do. And maybe you're believing and you're hyped up for this year, 2023. This is your year, right? And Jesus is going to do some things for you. But if he doesn't do them, will you still show up to church? If you have a bad week when you, when you were expecting God to come through for you in a certain way, will you still show up on Sunday? Will you still show up to the prayer service? Will you still sing praises to God, even if he doesn't do the things that you want him to do, but because of who he is, he still deserves it. Right? I mean, look, we all, we, we're really good at saying things like, if God did it before, he will do it again, right? And everybody goes crazy, right? This is a Pentecostal thing, right? If God did it before, he's going to do it again. He's not always going to do it again. Because there, 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 there's times where God opens doors, and then he does things that the world has never seen, and then he closes that door and does never, never does it again. That's true. Just because he did it before doesn't mean he has to do it again. And if your love is dependent on him giving you today what he gave you yesterday, that's what frustrated Jesus. You ate your bread and now you want more. The word of God doesn't say, I I will do what I did yesterday, today, and tomorrow. It says God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. It is about essence. It's about essence of who he is. He, He does not change. And it's because of who he is, not what he does, that he deserves all the adoration. This passage of scripture, the one that we just read, is probably one of the most graphic things Jesus is recording having said. I mean, eat my flesh and drink my blood. It doesn't sound crazy to us now because we, we've already done it, right? Like we're, we're committed. But imagine Jesus, imagine knowing Jesus as just a miracle worker and then he starts saying these crazy things. This is vampire talk. <laughs> eat, my, <laughs> eat my flesh. And drink my blood. If anybody said that to you, bro, you would check out. 
It's, it's, look, it, it's cultish. It is. Eat my flesh, drink my, it's the most hardcore thing Jesus said. He's getting personal now. It's getting a little uncomfortable now. People are starting to sweat in the crowds. Jesus, go back to doing the things that serve me. Go, go back to doing the things or saying the things that left everyone in awe. Do the cool stuff, the safe stuff. But now Jesus, now, he, now he's getting to the heart of the gospel. I am the bread of life. He is the giver of life and it is life given in abundance and it's giving for eternity. But in order to receive it, one must take of his flesh and his blood. And many of the disciples, they didn't receive that well. It says that they said it was a hard saying. The text says that many of them left. This was the end of the road for many of them. And I want to let you know this morning, church, I want to tell you this in love. The gospel is a no compromise gospel. No compromise. Gospel, what does gospel mean? It means good news. Good news. The Greek word is evangeliso. It's where we get it's where we get the word evangelized from, evangelical from. It's good news. That's it. Gospel means good news. News can't be changed. It is what it is. You can't change the facts of what happened because it, it's just what happened. We've all heard the term uh, fake news, right? Fake news. That's when that's when like the facts are are twisted, or certain facts aren't told. Or the facts are presented in a way that conforms to a particular agenda. That's, that's fake news. You can't have a fake gospel. You can't go around telling people that Jesus accepts them as they are, but forget to tell them that he wants to change them once they come to him. That's fake news. Because Jesus does want you to come as you are, but he doesn't want you to stay as you are because he has something better for you. Don't give people a fake gospel. The people were looking for Jesus because they loved the fact that Jesus was a great candidate for king. They wanted to make him king. They loved the fact that he was, he, he was a miracle worker and he was so eloquent and he was, he was so intelligent. But when they heard all of the facts, they couldn't handle it. So they left. And today, in the modern church, I don't think... We don't always have people turning away from Jesus. I mean, we, we obviously we have people turning away from Jesus all the time. But what, what I'm saying is that we have people who want to be with Jesus, but they don't like everything that Jesus requires. And so instead of conforming to the true gospel, many people choose to conform to a fake gospel. That's to say that people want Jesus, but they don't want all of Jesus. So they want to barter with Jesus. They want to compromise the gospel. And Jesus, Jesus saying, eat my flesh, drink my blood. That, that's too hardcore. That's crazy talk. And a lot of people don't want to be a part of crazy. Right? Some people don't come to church because they think we're crazy. And then the, the people that do go to church don't want to come to a Pentecostal church because they think we're even more crazy. They, they want to distance themselves from the crazy. And so you have Jesus saying all of these things, eat my flesh, drink of my blood. And then you have the majority of the crowd saying, this is, this is it. <laughs> this is it, Jesus. I'm, I'm, I'm done. But then in, in our culture, we have those people, but we also have people in the middle where it's like, well, I don't, I don't want to leave because I still want the parts of Jesus that I like. 
So I don't, I don't, I don't want to dismiss Jesus, but I don't want to go all the way because all the way is, is crazy. So instead of leaving the crazy, people try to dilute the crazy. And can I tell you that Jesus would probably prefer the former either be in or out. Don't, 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 don't try to warm up what's supposed to be hot or what's supposed to be cold. Don't try to dilute the crazy. If you're going to be with Jesus, you need to be with Jesus all the way because Jesus requires all of you. And that's, that's, that's what's so hard about the good news because like for, for some people it's good news, but it's also bad news. The good news is that your sins are forgiven. Mankind has been restored to its creator simply because God cared enough about us to send his one and only son to die for our sins. That's great news. But on the flip side of that, it requires you to take up the blood and the flesh of Jesus. That's just too much. People don't want to drink the concentrated blood of Jesus. And so we try to find a way to compromise. We water down the gospel. We water down the message of Jesus. We water down the requirements, the expectations placed on us as Christians. We water down the commitments. We water down the the church attendance. We water down the prayer life, the Bible study. Because if we water it down, if we water down the gospel enough, maybe I can stomach just a little bit of the blood. Maybe if I just water it down enough, I can take just a little bit, just a little bit of the blood. Melissa, M- Melissa, my wife, she, she, uh, she wants so bad to be a coffee drinker. <laughs> I think she, I think she likes like coffee culture, you know, like when, when people are just together, like if you, any coffee drinkers in here, amen. Like you, you, you know about coffee culture, right? Like, like coffee drinkers know when it's time for coffee. Like, they don't even need to say anything. They just look at each other. Like, Pastor James like, that's how we do. Cafecito, that's, that's, that's coffee culture. And she likes that. She's like, I want to be a part of the cool team. I want that. And so, huh? <laughs> well, you're going to miss out on eternal life, my brother. <laughs> but so some, sometimes, hey, babe, we're talking about you. Uh, <laughs> Sometimes, sometimes she, she wants so bad to just try coffee because everybody's drinking coffee. So, so she'll get like this special coffee made and she'll drink it. And she's like, mm, this is, this is good. She's like, I can do this. And she's like, look at me drinking coffee. And I'm like, let me try that. And I try it and I'm like, this is disgusting. This is not coffee. It's like 90% cream and sugar. <laughs> I, I guess you can do that with coffee, but you, you can't do that with the gospel can't do that with the gospel. You can't, you can't water down the gospel. It's not meant to be watered down. You can't water down the blood of Jesus. Jesus didn't shed his water for you. He shed his blood for you. And in the same way that Jesus died a gruesome death, giving everything that he had to give for you, we also must give everything that we have to give to him. Mm. I think the reason I, I think the reason God led me to preach this, because this, this word has been on my heart for a while and I think God wanted me to preach it because God wants to just challenge us to go deeper, man. He wants to challenge us to to, to take your faith, take your devotion to that next level. Whatever that looks like. And look, I'm not not talking about overexerting your spirit. 
Okay, I'm not I'm not saying that you have to go to every church service, every church event. I'm not saying that you have to wake up at four in, in the morning every day to, to, to pray. I'm not saying that we've got to fast for 40 days. Those things, they, if you want to do that, those are great tools to do that. But those things alone don't pre- impress God. And God isn't looking for you to impress him. He's looking for you to just be obedient and faithful. And so going deeper with God, it. It means if you have more to give to God that you've been holding on to, give it. That's what it means. If you haven't surrendered something, if you've been holding on to it, surrender it to God. And don't let me or don't let anyone else tell you what it specifically needs to be. Seek God and let him reveal it to you. For me, God, I believe that God wants me to focus more. Focus on my assignments and and, and that God has called over my life. And that requires something of me. That requires giving God more of my time. That requires me sacrificing some of the things, some of the distractions that I've, that I've allowed to come in my life. It, it requires more self-discipline. God might be challenging, to, challenging you to really get into the word this year and, and really just start to, 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 to learn. And you know what? That's going to require some different things. It's going to require, one, that you actually read the Bible. It's going to require that you, you come to Bible study. It's going to require maybe that you get a mentor. You ask questions, questions that you think are dumb questions. Ask them because that's how you find answers. Whatever it is that God is trying to to draw out of you or or draw you to, stop trying to compromise. Stop trying to negotiate with God and say, God, I'll give you this, but I won't give you that. God wants everything. We're always looking for expectations. A little something about me, man. I I like rules. I, I think rules are good. I'm not an anarchist. I believe, I believe in structure and, and without rules, you can't really have structure. God created rules for the Jewish people so that there would be a structure by which they lived their lives. God created rules for Adam and Eve in the garden uh, to protect them from death. I believe in rules, but, but be, just because I believe in rules doesn't mean I always like the rules. And, and, and sometimes if I'm going to participate in something or if I'm interested in participating in something, but you tell me the rules and I don't like the rules, I'm just not going to participate. I'm not going to try to stand there and argue with you like, come on, really? That's the rules. You can't make an exception for me. I'm not going to try to make you change your rules. I just won't participate. But I think in our culture, we like to do this. We, We still want to participate, but we want exceptions. And I'm going to say something about our people real quick, Hispanic people, okay? Hispanics are always looking for exceptions to rules. Especially Hispanic churches. I'm going to give you an example. I'm not trying to offend anybody, all right? Just, I'm going to say what I think. I've been in church all my life. I've seen this over and over again. It's like a proven science. When it comes to church ministry, especially youth ministry, and this is not specific to Pastor Renee and Bami. This is like every Hispanic youth ministry in the world. Youth ministry takes a lot of money, right? And youth don't have money. They don't have money. I was always that kid, man, who, who would go out to eat with the youth group and I'd forget my wallet. I'd have to tell, I'd have to tell the, 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 the youth pastor, hey, I, man, I'll, I'll get you next time or you can ask my dad. He's not going to ask my, I, I know he's not going to ask my dad, but that's pastor. I'm not going to ask my, I'm not going to charge my dad. I was sneak, I was slick, I was slick. But, 
But there's always something in youth ministry that costs money. Kids want to go to these youth conferences. They want to go to youth camps. They want to go to youth convention and all this stuff. And maybe I'm just a little bit more cold-blooded than some people, but I have always been of the mindset that if you can't pay for it, just don't go. And I know some people, some parents, y'all have like six kids, seven kids. I'm just like, bro, just choose your two favorite. (laughs) I didn't say. (laughs) You don't need to send all of them. Rotate. (laughs) But that's that's me. That's that's what I think, you know. Um, Because because then, then, then the youth ministry itself is burdened. And, and, and we love our kids and every, every youth ministry loves their kids and they're not that cold blooded. And so they're like, you know what? We're going to raise the funds and we're going to work our butts off all summer, all year long to raise the funds for every kid. And then like half the kids decide not to go. <laughs> we try, so we tried this one time. This was like my, my, my second year of, of, of pastoring when I was the English pastor. And uh, I said, you know what? We're just, th- tell the parents the price. And if, if they can pay it, they can pay it. If, if they can't, Nimodo. They can't, they can't go. And we made an exception for like every kid that year. <laughs> we all, we, we, we look for exceptions where we can get it. We want to compromise. We, we, we have it. We had a tenant this, this past year we had to evict because we made some exceptions for one month and they just took and took and took and took and took. They didn't pay rent for eight months. <laughs> we want exceptions when it favors us. But you can't ask for an exception when it comes to the gospel. It doesn't matter what your situation looks like. You can't get to heaven and tell God, God, my family raised me atheists. It's their fault. Had I been around a Christian community, had I been raised in church, maybe I would have loved you. Can't do that. You can't tell God, God, just, just, just let me keep my pornography. I'll give you everything else, but let me keep my pride. Let me keep my fear. Let me keep my greed. Either drink the blood of Jesus or don't drink it at all. But don't you dare try to water it down because it was never meant to be watered down. Have the, the band come up. Sometimes going deeper with God simply means drinking the concentrated blood of Jesus without trying to make it more palpable, more comfortable. It's not supposed to taste good. And look, maybe you just stepped into the church this morning for the first time, and we're talking about some pretty gruesome stuff. <laughs> Jesus, the good news is that Jesus isn't speaking literally, speaking figuratively. Jesus was not literally saying to eat of his flesh and drink of his blood. Just to give you a little bit more background, in this passage, Jesus, he's comparing himself to the manna, the, the bread that God supplied their ancestors in the wilderness for 40 years after they left Egypt. Every single day, the people of God, they woke up knowing that their God supplied their every need, even though they were in the desert. God was there to supply the provision. And they knew that they would never have to worry about dying of starvation because Jehovah is Jireh. He is the provider. All they had to do was eat the manna. You you couldn't get picky with it. You can't be like, God, I don't eat carbs. You had to eat it because that was the thing that would give you strength to keep on living. And so Jesus is saying the manna from heaven, it was good, but, but people still died. It wasn't meant to sustain people forever. 
And he's saying, but there is a bread that is meant to sustain people forever. And I am that bread. I am the bread of life. Eat of my flesh and you will never die. And so he's saying that if you consume Jesus spiritually, if you invite him to dwell in your heart and in your mind and take over and you allow him to be the main source of your spiritual nutrition, you will receive life forever. That's what he's saying. And so I'm challenging you, somebody this morning, I'm challenging you, 2023 to give Jesus, man, give him everything that he requires of you and take everything that he has to offer you. Stop trying to water down your faith. Stop trying to water down your relationship. Stop trying to water down your commitments. Stop trying to compromise and negotiate with Jesus because Jesus requires everything. After the 12 disciples witnessed this probably very dramatic, very cringy moment, I imagine some of them saying like, why why does Jesus say these things? But Jesus turned to his 12 disciples, to his inner circle, point blank. And he says, all right, what about you? What about you? Are you gonna leave too? And I think we could ask that same question today. Are you in or are you out? Stop playing the game because there is no game to play. There is no in between. And if you're worried about surrendering everything to God, because it is scary to surrender everything, just know that Jesus is enough. Let him prove it to you. Yesterday in our prayer service, Andrea, she had on her heart to ask for for a release of control because so many of us, we just want to be in control. You want to control things, which which, which means that you don't hand over the control to God because you worry that he's going to mess things up and he's going to do something different than the way that you would have done them. And, And that's kind of the point. God knows what he's doing. This is the moment. Jesus asked for everything. All the love the people said that they had for Jesus was now being tested. Will you only love, will you love me only for what I do or will you love me for who I am? Because to love Jesus for who he is means to accept Jesus for who he is without compromise. And we've been praying for God, man, to, to bring revival and to our community and bring people, the, the, the lost and bring the, bur- the, the burdened and the brokenhearted. We're asking God to, to change lives. We're asking God to, 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 to show people the signs and the wonders and the miracles and, and to transform skeptics into believers. And I pray every, every week that the word that is given behind this pulpit would pierce the depths of people's souls. And if we're praying these things, church, if we're believing these things, it means that we don't water down the message of Jesus. We don't water down our faith because in order to do the work of Jesus, it takes drinking the blood of Jesus. This is why Jesus said to his disciples, what do you want to do? Because if this gospel is too offensive to you, you're not going to want to speak it to anybody else. So I just present that question to you this morning. What about you? Are you in? Are you out? Because if God is going to transform your life, If you're going to take your your faith to the next level, it requires a different dimension of what you've been given to God. 
I want you to stand this morning. And right now, I'm gonna ask the ushers to come forward. We're gonna gonna take communion. you this morning that this taking the blood taking taking communion taking the lord's supper it's symbolic of what you've already done you don't you don't take this and, and, and then you're good this is this isn't the this isn't what does it for you it's 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 the physical blood of jesus that has transformed our lives and that you have accepted And we do this because of what it represents. It represents the death, the sacrifice of Jesus who gave himself for us, for you. I'm gonna ask that you step forward, you come forward and and take take your cup this morning. my Lord. We want to be workers in your kingdom, my God. Not just partakers. Yes. Jesus said, blessed is he who is not offended by me. Because if you are offended by who Jesus is, if you're offended by his message, you cannot receive Jesus. So blessed is he who does not take offense to this gospel, but receives it, even though it hurts, even though it pierces. The word of God is, is a double-edged sword. It is, it is meant to pierce the depths. It is, it, is, it is meant to cause a cutting in your spirit. And God is looking for somebody this morning to say, Lord, Cut deep, Father. Cut deep, my God. Cut whatever needs to be cut. Strip whatever needs to be stripped, my God.
because I don't want to conform anymore. I don't want to try to fit the gospel to my lifestyle. I want to conform my life to your gospel. I don't want to be offended by you, Lord. The Apostle Paul says, I'm reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Speaking about the Lord's Supper, he says, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord Jesus himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it and he said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Go ahead and take the bread. same way he took the cup of wine after supper and he said this cup is a new covenant between God and his people an agreement confirmed with my blood do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it go ahead and take the cup let's have a moment this morning I want to have a moment of surrendering I'm calling for a moment of surrendering here at these altars. If you would come forward and give God. I'm calling calling on something specific this morning. Those who say, God, this year will belong to you. This year, I will give my, I will commit right now to giving more of myself. I might stumble. I might have a, a, a bad day or a bad week or a bad month, but I am committing to you. And if I fall, I will fall on your grace and I will get back up, my God. Going, going towards you. Going towards your purpose that you have for my life. This is a moment of surrendering and I'm going to make that call once. If you want to give God everything this year, if you want to give God more this year, if you want to go deeper with God, you want to focus on him, come forward and make your commitments to God. Thanks for listening. If you'd like some more information on Numa Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at mynumachurch. Thanks again and God bless.